Hey, Hilton Head Island Community Church, I've got some big news that I want to share with you. Last week I talked about the fact that uh, part of what we're doing through All In is uh, raising money to be able to expand our footprint. And I mentioned the fact that we are talking with our now neighbors, Hargrave, about uh, possibly um, you know purchasing or leasing or at least purchasing one of their buildings. And as of this week, we are in negotiations for this building, which is considered building B for them, which is the building that we were really hoping that they would be interested in talking with us about. And it's the one that's right across the parking lot from our building. And it makes a fantastic kind of just a walkway right over from where we currently are. And most of you drive in this way on Sunday morning, and so you drive right past what used to be an old teller station for the bank, but we're walking towards 278, where hopefully we can have better signage and uh, more visibility for our church. And uh, I'm really excited about this part of our all-in project, our all-in generosity initiative. And uh, so be praying with us about this as we enter in to negotiations on this building. And you know, let's just be praying that God just prepares a way for us to be able to have this building that's right here out on 278 where our community can see where we are as a church. Wouldn't that be incredible to be able to see where we are as a church and to see our location, have better visibility, better access, uh, and uh, man, a place where we as a church can have administrative offices. It's going to be great. I'm so excited about it and be praying with you about it. Wow, pretty cool stuff, isn't it? It's amazing to uh, think about. We spent really the last, better part of the last six months or so in the investigative stage of this whole idea, which is, you realize, is just one piece of our all-in generosity initiative. Uh, a pretty big part of it, but it's uh, just one piece of that. And uh, now we enter into the negotiation phase, and uh, we're excited about this and uh, excited about the possibility. And if any of you were with us back in 2010 uh, when we were moving from Office Park Road where there was uh, very little air conditioning and low ceilings, even for me, uh, and moving over here, there's a lot of similarities in terms of the way that it feels like God is leading us. And so I would just ask you to pray that we, as a leadership team, would uh, just continue to follow his lead. When he says stop, we would stop or pause, and when uh, he says go, that we would uh, be bold and courageous. And I know that some of you are probably wondering why. Why in the world is this even part of the vision of what we believe that God has for us? And it will do many of the things that you just saw on that video, which we've filmed very quickly yesterday and it was freezing. So that's why I called it a bank and not a uh, place where you can pay your bills. So anyway, so I don't know why I did that. I was just very cold and I wanted to get inside. So anyway, but uh, why in the world? Well, this I believe is something that will propel us and, and prepare us 
to better fulfill our mission, to passionately share the message of Jesus and lead people to follow him. It'll give us a better presence, it'll give us better visibility, better accessibility, and better intentionality as we, we believe that we are supposed to steward the resources that God has given us to the best of our ability. And so uh, I'm very excited about this and would ask you to pray along with us as we seek to make a greater impact in our community that's uh, still only 9% churched. And uh, as we do that, my prayer is, is that God would just continue to lead us and that we would continue to follow his leading and whatever that is so that we can accomplish that mission right there that you see uh, behind me. And so we're all excited about this and, and excited about the possibility. And I'd ask you to join me in prayer uh, for that. In fact, let's just stop for a moment and just pray as a church and just ask for God's blessing and leadership and wisdom through this process. Father God, I just thank you so much for the opportunity that we as a church have to go all in, to be all in, in terms of our mission that you've put us on, in terms of the vision that you've given us, not just with facilities, God, but beyond that, with reaching our community for Christ. It's our vision that more and more people um, would have a place that they could call their church home, that more and more people who haven't accepted you as their savior would do so and God I pray that you would continue to help us uh, your church the leaders here the leadership team here to continue to follow you and what you want for us and I pray this all in the strong and the powerful and the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said amen amen you know one of the thoughts I have is is what does this have to do with what we're about ready to talk about What in the world does any of this, the all-in two-year initiative, uh, have to do with uh, what we're about ready to dive into and taking a look at what God says about money and resources? And the answer to that question is really pretty simple. Uh, To accomplish what we believe is God's vision and to fully, you know, as full as we can or to the extent that we can be a church that's on mission, it is going to require all of God's people to be all-in with generosity. And so we began last week. If you weren't here, I want to encourage you to go online and listen. It was kind of an important message in the life of this church as we kicked off not just these next five weeks, uh, but we kicked off this two-year generosity initiative to be able to uh, you know, be all in for the mission of our church with our operating budget, to be all in with the future of our church with some of these new initiatives like uh, Building B and paying off the debt on this building, our mortgage on this building, and building a nice little lobby over here so that you don't get hit with the sun on non-rainy days when you walk outside. And uh, we uh, are going to be all in for the world as we seek to start a church and believe where we're ministering and to continue to give 10% and maybe more down the road of what God has brought in. And it's going to take all of us being all in and understanding what generosity, biblical generosity is all about. And so I'm going to take today and the next two weeks to talk about three of the most common myths when it comes to generosity and when it comes to finances and money. And I realize that some of you are, are here and you walked in this place and you're like, man, I can't believe they're talking about money. I, I don't even like people I know talking to me about money, never mind when I come to church. And I completely understand that. But because the Bible says more about this subject than any other subject, I, I believe that God has more 
for us than he desires from us. He wants for us to um, manage our money well. And I love that Randy Alcorn says this, not just because it's the godly thing to do or the, the, the wise thing to do, but managing money um, improperly is just dumb. And, and he, he actually says stupid. I soften that a little bit. But I love that. He wants us to live with freedom and peace when it comes to money and resources. And so today we begin with the first myth that I want to dispel from God's word, and it's the myth that it's all mine. Now, when I say that phrase, it sounds good, doesn't it? It's all mine. And I think that we're taught as humans, and it's in our nature when we're born, and we're taught this to try to collect and then consume as much as possible, and we're born with this instinctive kind of mindset and attitude and concept that it's our job to to collect as much as we can and we say hey it is all mine but when I was growing up in high school uh, when I was a junior and senior in high school we had three cars in our family my I have a younger sister and uh, we had three cars she wasn't driving yet but I was driving and uh, my dad had a car that he drove it was an old um, Mercedes sedan and like uh, he drove it all around for his business. He drove it to different places. And so it was the kind of car that a guy that's in sales has. It was not the kind of car that a teenager wanted to drive uh, to, to, to school and show off my friends. Hey, look, I got a big old sedan Mercedes. Uh, that was not what I wanted to do. And so um, as I got older, we were looking into the different cars that, that we could buy. And my dad, you know, like crazy wild hair moment, um, went out and bought my mom, who was in her 50s at the time, a brand new 1991 Honda Prelude, five-speed stick shift, canary yellow. My poor mom couldn't even, like, she was so short, that's where I get my towering height from. Uh, She couldn't even, like, get to the clutch. We had to put a clutch extension on it because she couldn't reach the clutch. And so what happened in my home is is that um, as time went on, I began to drive that canary yellow five-speed Honda Prelude, and I loved that car. Because my car, yes, and it's giving me a little fist bump here, because that's when, I think that's why she dated me in college, because I had that cool car. But, I, <laughs> but before that, um, I, with my own money, I saved some of my own money, and my grandfather chipped in a little bit, and I bought a car for myself, bought it outright. It was a 1986 or 87 Plymouth Horizon hatchback. If any of you know the Plymouth Horizons, it wasn't the Dodge Omni, the cool ones of the 1960s and 70s. It was the Plymouth Horizon hatchback, and it was just the most boring car that you could possibly imagine. The doors were about that thin. And you could hear more of what was going on on the outside of the car than you could on the inside of the car. And it wasn't even a cool color. It was boring white. And it kind of had, like, it was always dirty, so it kind of had a whitish-gray tint to it. And I would park in the gravel parking lot behind the school, not in my normal spot as a senior in front of the school, because I didn't want people to see my hatchback Dodge Omni Plymouth Horizon car. I hated that thing. And so the more I drove my mom's car in high school, um, I kind of figured in my mind, when it's time for me to go to college, guess which car I'm taking to college? I'm taking the Prelude. 
I'm taking that yellow, canary yellow, five-speed stick shift, brand new Honda Prelude. That was the car that in my mind, I was taking to college. And I, in fact, I even remember going out and starting to put stuff in that car to head off to college my freshman year. And my dad came out in the garage and he said, hey, uh, what you doing there? I said, well, I'm getting ready to go to college. I'm starting to load the car up. And he goes, "What? you're loading mom's car. I said, well, yeah, but I've been driving it, right, Dad? And he goes, let me ask you a question. He asked me a series of questions. He said, hey, uh, whose car is that? Who owns that car? And I said, well, you and Mom do. That's Mom's car. And he said, okay, so who owns the other car, the white ones that's sitting out there that has a hatchback that is perfect for a high school and college student? Who owns that? Well, I own that one. And he said, so which one are you taking to college then? And I had to admit, okay, I'm going to take the Plymouth Horizon to college. You see, in my mind, I had already taken ownership of something that wasn't mine to begin with. I I, had in my mind that that was the car that I was going to take to college. And, And fortunately, after a year of me, like, being very responsible with that white Plymouth Horizon, they let me take it my um, sophomore year, and I'm really glad they did because I have my lovely wife sitting over here. (laughs) Anyway, uh, that helped. But I didn't understand this concept of ownership. I hadn't paid for that car. I didn't have the title on that car. I had absolutely no rights to it, but in my little senior in high school mind, I thought that I owned it. And you see, in our minds and in our hearts, I think we do something similar with the things that we have that God has blessed us with, that he's given to us. We kind of take on this this responsibility, but even more than that, we take on the right of ownership. And if, if we do that in our minds, we buy into the myth that everything that we have is mine. And two problems arise when you do that, and they're on extreme ends of each other. The first problem that arises is that when we believe that we own it all, we have the tendency to spend it all on who? On us. We, we have the tendency when we, we have this mindset that we own it all to spend it all on ourselves. And that leads us to a place of extreme greed and Sometimes it leads to financial difficulty in many cases. If we spend it all on ourselves, it will lead to bankruptcy. But on the other end of the spectrum is another problem, and that is this. When we believe that we own it all, when we believe that we're the owners of everything that we've either been given or earned, then we also can have the tendency to keep it all to ourselves. And you know what that results in? Hoarding. That results in hoarding. It results in this mindset of I'm never going to be generous with anything that I have. I'm, I'm going to keep it all for myself and I'm going to do everything myself and I'm going to do everything in my power to keep everyone else out of it. And so we are left with these two extreme ideas of spending everything that we have or saving everything that we have almost to the point of hoarding. That's what happens when we buy in to this myth that we own it all. Well, over these next few weeks, we're going to take a look at God's Word. 
And we're going to find the truth that debunks the myth. And I want to tell you the truth is, is that what the Bible says is that God owns it all. The Bible is very clear on this subject. That everything that's on heaven and earth is his, not ours. God owns it all. He, first of all, owns everything in heaven and earth. The psalmist in Psalm 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and all those who dwell therein. The earth is the Lord's and the, what's that next word? Fullness thereof. He owns everything. When we look around and we try to, um, you know, place a ownership to certain things, we have to realize that when we look around that everything that we see around us, whether it's ours or someone else's or it's owned by someone else or it's the property of someone else, it is not the property of that person. Ultimately, God owns it all. And secondly, all of my wealth, if we understand the concept of the fact that God owns it all, God doesn't just own everything, but all of my wealth belongs to God. If we understand the idea that God owns it all, we understand this, this passage from Haggai 2.8 where, where he is speaking to the nation of Israel, this prophet, and he's saying this, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. Everything that we may keep and supply and bring in and collect and earn, all the wealth is his. Everything around us that we see and everything in our home, and in our resources is his. But thirdly, and perhaps most importantly, and maybe the one we miss, is from Deuteronomy 8.18. And it's that God owns the ability to produce wealth in the first place. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power, the power to get wealth. That he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as is this day. You see, he even gives us the ability to earn wealth. He gave you the ability to go and get an education if you went to college or, or, or grad school. He, he gave you the, the resources to be able to go to a trade school and learn a particular trade. He gave you the ability to have the, all the experiences that he has given you. And all of that belongs to him. That's a correct understanding of ownership. That's the truth of ownership. You see, when we understand this truth, we understand that God owns it all, and God loans it all, and our job is to surrender it all and to steward it all. We'll talk about that concept next week, the stewarding part. God owns it all. He loans it all. He gives it to us to be able to steward. But the first thing that we have to do is this concept of surrender. I don't know about you, but I do not like that word, especially when it comes to money and resources and finances. I don't like that word, this whole idea of surrender. But if we truly let the concept that God owns it all really begin to sink into our lives, 
We're going to be the type of people that move from an I own it all to God owns it all place. But the key to that is surrender. Surrender is essentially taking everything that we have with clenched fists and releasing our grip on it, recognizing that it's God's in the first place. That we have no more of a right to, to use it the way that we want it than, than we have any other right that God has given us. He has given us everything that we have, everything that we own is his. And surrender, when we surrender that, it's the beginning of the process of giving it back to him. Sean and I went and saw a movie this past Friday that I just absolutely loved. It was called um, uh, The Darkest Hour. And it's a movie uh, about Winston Churchill. And in the middle of the great crisis at the beginning of World War II, uh, Churchill calls here to the United States of America and, and confronts the then president, um, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and he, he asks him for the planes. He says, we're desperate to have help, and some of you may have seen it. And he says, um, he's on the phone with him, and he says, Mr. President, we need those planes. And the president responds, I, I, I can't give you those planes yet. There's some laws that are uh, not allowing me to give them to you. And, um, and uh, Winston Churchill, in a, in a very dramatic fashion, says, uh, we bought those planes from you with the money that we borrowed from you. And it's this moment of him realizing part of the reason in that moment that he couldn't get the planes that were needed there at the beginning of World War II. And I think that concept of realizing that everything that we have is God's in the first place is the most foundational principle in terms of being generous that we can ever capture. And today, some of you get this. And I hope that you're encouraged and perhaps challenged to do something more. Some of you have begun to get it in small ways. You've begun to get the idea that God owns it all and you've begun to give a little bit. And, and, and I want to encourage you and challenge you to, to do what God is asking you to do. If that means more, be, um, be strong and courageous to do more. And for some of you, you walked in here and you're like, boy, I've never really given anything to God. And my challenge to you is to begin the process of, of allowing this concept and this truth of ownership to drive you to trust him. God owns it all. He loans it all. We surrender it all. And we steward it all. And you see there's an attitude and an action and a result that comes when we surrender. First and foremost is the attitude that we understand that surrender. When, every, when we're willing to give everything that we have back to God. The action that follows the attitude is that we practice surrender when we tithe. We'll talk about tithing in a moment. And the result is, is the, that we receive a benefit when we surrender because God meets all of our needs. There's a family who attends Hilton Head Island Community Church that really understands this idea of surrender. And they were willing to talk a little bit about it. They understand the, the idea of ownership and they understand the idea of surrender and even of tithing. And I want you to hear from them. Um, why don't you check out the screens? 
It really was a miracle. I mean, when we look back on our journey to get here, um, I had wanted to live here my whole life. My grandparents lived here and I'd vacationed here and thought I was gonna get my first job out of college here and it didn't happen. Um, and we prayed about it, we thought about it. Um, we came here on vacation, all of our children had been here and then God just started opening doors. I'm Roger and this is my wife, Jenny. Uh, we have three children, two that live here with us on the island and one that lives in Kansas City. And we moved here in, in July of 2017. And I just remember specifically, um, I don't even know how I came to it, but it was in Psalm 16, verses five and six. And it speaks about the, the boundaries. My boundaries have been set in pleasant places and the Lord has secured my lot. And it just really, really spoke to me because at that time we were struggling about is this God's will? Is this us trying to impose our will into what we want? Because we definitely wanted God's presence in what we were doing. It was actually when we reached out to the church um, that things started changing. Um, I asked about um, how do people move to the island? What kind of jobs do people get? Those types of things. I mean, we just, we just knew we wanted to be here. And we knew that Hilton Head Island Community Church was a church that, that we wanted to be a part of. Um, and then God just started working miracles. And so what we've done is we've gotten really immersed in the Bible, the Bible studies. I do the women's lunch group. Um, I've tried to do some of the volunteer activities too. We did uh, Operation Christmas Child um, and the second Sunday we serve. And I know Roger goes to the men's breakfast. Yeah, I go to the men's prayer breakfasts uh, almost all the time, every Wednesday. And we go to Roots, which we really, really enjoy that. And we feel such a connection with especially the people at Roots because we go together. Um, and then the women's lunch. And then I also serve in the children's ministry and just signed up to help out with connections. So I'm excited to get started with that as well. So, you know, as far as tithing to the church, I know that was one of the questions um, that we wanted to make sure that, that we had clear in the beginning. To us, it's very important that money comes out first. It's God's money, God get care of it for God. Um, and I know it's all too easy. Once you stop that, it's easy to start counting on that money back in your your budget for other things. So we wanted to make sure when we moved here that the giving process was seamless, that we went ahead and... Felt that it was you know, imperative, really, that um, we, we look at ways to start supporting the church that we came to. And like we said earlier, just had that. Well, if you're sitting out there and you've never made that first decision to trust God with your finances, with your heart, with all of it, we say go for it. It has done nothing but help us. Um, it, it was hard in the beginning, but definitely has, has come back tenfold. Absolutely. No doubt about that. So, I mean, even if, even, even if it doesn't come back necessarily financially, it's come back in ways that you really can't put a price tag on. I don't know if you captured what she said. Jenny said at one point in that video, she said, you know, we wanted to make sure that we had tithing down first. And then she said it, because God owns it anyway. God owns it all. And you see, if we understand the truth of ownership, 
That'll lead us to surrendering. And surrendering happens when we begin the process of tithing. The book of Malachi in the Old Testament talks about tithing. And I want to go to Malachi 3 verse 10 all the way down to the bottom of that passage. When the prophet is challenging the nation of Israel to return back to God and he says, bring the full tithe, that is a word that means 10%, into the storehouse. The storehouse was, as the people understood it that day, their church. That was there in the temple. It was there where they they brought their tithe into the storehouse, into the church, that there may be food in my house. And here's the concept that I want you to capture this morning. He says, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the window of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more. What's that next word say? This is the only place in Scripture where God tells us that he wants us to put him to the test. It's in this area of tithing. For some of you, you walked in here today and you're like, man, this is the last message that I want to hear today because, Todd, if you understood my financial burden, you'd understand why tithing is so difficult. I I get that. I understand that. I really do. This has not been the easiest thing for me over these past few years. Some of you may have walked in here today and you're like, yeah, I'll tithe, but I'm going to bank on the fact that it says he will open the windows of of blessing. And you're like, I'm going right out after church. I'm buying my lottery ticket because he better come through for me. And I'm like, if you win the lottery, make sure you tithe on that. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. (laughs) He says that I will bless you by what? Taking care of what? Your needs. Your needs. And church, if we're going to be people that understand generosity, we're going to be a people that understand the concept of what it means to tithe. We're going to understand what it means to give just a portion back to God of something that's his in the first place. Jesus confirms this, lest you think this is an Old Testament thing, when he's talking to a group of Pharisees. It's recorded in Luke chapter 11, and he's talking to a group of Pharisees about the fact that they, they were very wise, and they had all this knowledge, but they didn't love people. And Jesus challenges them, and he says, hey, you, you should do the tithing stuff, but you should also love people. And then at the end of it, in Luke eleven forty two, 42, he says, these things you ought to do without neglecting the others. This is both an Old Testament and a New Testament command. Established by God long ago. And reestablished by Jesus, encouraged by Jesus as a command. And so I want to challenge you today. This is a very personal, spiritual practice. And I understand that for some of you, this may be one of the most difficult things you've ever done. But you know, for us to debunk the myth that I own it all, when we understand the truth that God does own it all, and that requires us to 
release. It requires us to surrender what's his in the first place. I believe at some point in time that that is going to call us to movement. It's going to call us to an action. And you may be here today and you're like, hey, Todd, I'm already tithing. I'm good. Great, man. Be encouraged. Perhaps God's asking you to do a little bit more. Maybe you're here today and you're somewhere between not giving anything at all and giving God a tenth. Maybe he's calling you to trust him with the rest. Oh, but Todd, I can't possibly live on 90%. I get that. That's what next week is all about. That's what Financial Peace University is all about. I couldn't imagine years ago understanding that we could test God in this. But I'm here to tell you today, I stand up here as your pastor. And Cynthia and I have tested God in this. There have been times in my past where I was disobedient to what he was asking me to do. And we've tested him on it. We started years and years and years ago. And we haven't looked back. And he's taken care of all of our needs. It doesn't mean it's perfect. It doesn't mean that it's not scary sometimes. But he has taken care of all of our needs. And maybe God's calling you to something new. Maybe he's calling you to something else. Maybe today you're here and you're a Christ follower and you've never given to God. Maybe all in for you is over the next two years testing him. Testing him by giving something of what God has given you. I promise you if you test him in this, he will take care of all of your needs. Back in the beginning of the uh, Old Testament, 1 Chronicles 29, verse 10. The author writes these words, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in, heaven, in the heavens and the earth is yours, O Lord. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Hilton Head Island Community Church, if we're going to be all in, it's going to take all of us being all in and understanding the truth that God owns it all. And my question for you today is what's your step? What is God asking you to do in terms of understanding that he owns it all? Father, I pray that you would reveal yourself to us right now. God, I pray that you would reveal to us what our part is in this. God, reveal to us what we are supposed to do to take action on the truth that you own it all. God, help us to move from a place where we understand the truth that you own it all to being able and willing to open our hands and surrender that which you've given us to steward, that which you've loaned us, that which you own in the first place. God, and I pray that our surrender would lead us to a place where we give a portion back to you. And God, there may be those who are in here today and they're, um, they've never given a portion back to you. God, I pray that through this all-in initiative, that their faith would grow and that they would be a people who begin to test you. And maybe it starts small and grows. But God, I pray that you would give them the courage and the boldness to act as you're leading, act on what you're leading 
God, that they would move on the movement that you want them to move. Maybe they're in here today and they're, they've been tithing in the past, but they've backed off and fear and anxiety and discouragement has set in. God, I pray that you would give them the confidence to be able to do the thing that you're asking, to take action, to begin now, to trust you with the rest. And God, maybe there are some people in here who are fully tithing and maybe then some. God, encourage them. God, I pray that you would solidify that commitment. But God, I pray that you would also allow us to be open to what you want us to do that might be more. God, I pray that we would move, that we would take action as you're leading us. That anything that's in the way, that we would lay it at your feet. God, that we would do something about it, that we would trust you with it. And God, help us in those times when we're weak. Help us in those times where we have unbelief. Help us in those times when we're discouraged. God, we just ask you to lead us right now in the action that you want us to take. In your name we pray. Amen.